Imagine for a moment a life that feels unhurried and unworried. A life of patience, peace, and freedom from the obsession over others' opinions of you. A life of genuine humility that serves without keeping score. A life free from secret sins and resentment. Do you believe a life like this is possible? You can become a different kind of person. Guided by a different set of values. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. Are you ready? Hey, good morning, Go Church family. How you feel today? You feel good? Come on. You look fantastic. Even though here on the, uh, the south side of Atlanta, it's kind of cold and rainy. You got up today. You've come to the house of the Lord today. The Bible instructs us and reminds us that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so I pray that God blesses you today, whatever campus you're a part of. Whether you're in this room, our broadcast campus, you're on the west side of Atlanta, Montgomery County, Maryland, or online, whoever you are, what campus you're a part of today, we greet you, we love you, we celebrate you as one big family. So come on, every campus, every location, put your hands together. Greet each other in the name of Jesus. Come on, you can do a little bit better. Make some noise. Come on, room. Good. Hey, and then you know this, if you've been here for any Sunday, we always, always pause to give honor uh, to the brave men and women in the military, those who are veterans of the military, active duty, all of our courageous first responders. So if that's you today, all we want to do is show you some love. So whatever campus you're at today, or even if you're online, you can put a little hand emoji. But I'd love for all of our veterans, active duty, first responders, put your hands up real quick. And I want every campus to go crazy. Come on, show some love and appreciation. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Th hey, you're too quiet, room. Come on, let's go. We're, we're loving people. Let's go. Love you, love you, love you, love you. Thank you, thank you. It's fantastic. All right, let me, let me make a little deal with you, all right? So I need everybody to lean in today. How about in 40 minutes, I preach to you one and a half messages. Come on, can we do that? One and a half messages in 40 minutes. And so the more you amen, the faster I'll go. No, we're going to be here a long day by that. I'm telling you right now, you better get in the game. Come on. I'm going to give you two messages, really a message and a half in 40 minutes. And I'm going to start with this one, and it's really, really important that you just give me a, a couple of moments here to, to share my heart behind the importance of today being Sanctity of Life Sunday. Now, here at Go Church, and if you pull in the parking lot, you walk in the lobby, you talk to one of our Go teamers, you follow us on social media, you see the heart of this house, you know that our vision here is to love people to life, and that includes the life of the unborn. Can I get an Amen. It's just who we are. It's, it's what we're about. Now, here's why I want to take a moment. Because you cannot and I will not allow for the enemy to come into Go Church and to make this hot topic an American politic. What we're talking about right here is not about Republicans and Democrats. And the enemy has packaged the importance of the value of life and the, and the wrapping of American politics. And it's become garbage it's become a hot mess. Can I tell you, and somebody needs to, to hear this, a couple of things that will liberate you. Jesus is not a Republican nor a Democrat. Jesus is kingdom. Come on, somebody. He's kingdom. And on both sides of political preferences are God-fearing men and women. 
So listen to me. Let me just share my heart behind this. At Go Church, we just value life. Life matters. God gives life. And so if you're here today or maybe you're listening online and you, you don't have um, faith in God, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you, you, don't, you don't believe in an absolute truth, then you need to hold responsibility to that because where does your morality come from? Where does your definition, if you don't believe in God, if, if you don't believe in an absolute truth, then how do you define good and evil? How do you define right and wrong, just and unjust, uh, ethics and what's unethical? Where, where, where does that come from? The reality is this, if you don't believe in God, then you have a subjective morality. And that simply means that because there is no absolute truth in your, in your life, in your world, your morals are subject to culture, to society, uh, to, to climate in the sense of whatever's happening in the demographic of where you live. Your morals are based off of your opinion and what you feel is right or what you feel is wrong. And so again, your, your morals are just subjective. But if you are a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and you believe that there is a God then we don't have subjective morality, we have objective morality, meaning there is an absolute truth, and His truth is always right. It is both yes and amen. And God, as Christians that we believe in, has laid out in His love letter to us, the Holy Bible, certain areas of this world that we don't get to allow our feelings or our opinions to muddy. And one of those areas is the importance of life. God speaks on life. And I've had conversations with people in the past. I've, I've been pastoring and in ministry for a long time now. And they'll say things like, well, Pastor JC, nowhere in your Bible is abortion even mentioned, the word abortion mentioned. Okay, noted. But over and over again, we see, and I want you to write this thought down if you're already taking notes, because this is message number one. Come on, somebody. God values the womb. The womb matters. The womb matters, and who is in the womb matters. Psalm 139, 13, one verse here, the Bible says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And so at Go Church, we value life. This is not American politics. This is kingdom politics. And we should love life and love people because God loves people and he loves life. I've showed you this before, but this being the Sanctity of Life Sunday, I want to give you our official stance on the sanctity of life. And this is, this is much deeper than just the, the hot topic of abortion. This is you matter. Red, yellow, black, white. People matter. People matter. So here's what we believe. God alone confers life. So God alone must decide when it is to be ended. Psalm 31 verses 14 and 15. Because a human fetus is sacred and blessed of God, we believe that we have the responsibility to protect the life of the unborn. Psalm 139 verse 13. Uh, Jeremiah 1 5 Luke 1 41 it is our firm conviction that life begins at conception and that here we go watch that abortion and euthanasia of aged mentally incompetent terminally ill and otherwise handicapped for reasons of personal convenience social adjustment or economic advantage are morally wrong and where do we as believers get our morals the Word of God, the absolute truth in God's Word. Can I get an amen for those that believe with me, all right? All right, so two more thoughts here. I'll pray, and we'll get into the second message for the day. 
If you are attending a Go Church campus today, whether you're in this room, on the west side, or in Germantown, and you have, uh, you have walked that painful journey of aborting a child, you have to hear me, hear the heart of your pastor. We love you. We deeply love you. And there's not one of us, unless we've walked that similar journey, that knows the grief and the pain and the challenges of your life and circumstances that led you to make that decision. What you have experienced prior to that decision and what you've experienced post that decision. And I just want to tell you, there is a God that loves you. There is a church that loves you. And in your grieving, we're only here to help you. Can I get the Go Church family to say amen? Come on. So if you need trauma counseling, you need care, you need prayer, you need your pastor, we're here for you. Secondly, if, if there is a mama that is pregnant, or maybe you know someone that is pregnant, and they're at a crossroad of a decision, and they are contemplating abortion, please, please don't abort that baby. I will personally work with you and partner with you to introduce you to, to ministries that we have at Go Church and legacy partners that we have from this ministry that will walk you through that pregnancy all the way to delivery, all the way to adoption or foster care. And listen to me, and I'm not saying this because I need you to think highly of me or anything like that, but at the end of the day, Kimberly and I, my wife and I will take that baby. We'll adopt that baby. So before you abort that child, you call the church office and I'll adopt that baby in the name of Jesus. And I would imagine that there are other families that would say the exact same thing, amen? We've got families that are walking through infertility. They're praying for a miracle child, and perhaps God would bring the two of you together. There are other options than just abortion, and we want to walk hand in hand, side by side, and as a sign of unity, go church, can you say amen? Come on. We'll help you. We'll help you. And because life matters. If you are a single mom or a single dad and you are struggling to raise your children, life matters. We're not just talking about the life of the unborn, that's incredibly important, but at Go Church, we want to come alongside of you and your family dynamic and help you love Jesus Christ with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray over this, pray over the message, and then we'll get into the, the second message of the day, okay? Jesus, I love you with all of my heart. And I thank you for allowing me the opportunity uh, just to share your word. Lord, I don't want to pray something that I just preached, but I know that somebody is here and they've been deeply impacted by the decision of abortion. All I want them to feel and experience today is your overwhelming love, not judgment, not condemnation, not hatred, just your love. And only the ministry of the Holy Spirit could do that. And for that mama and that family that's at a crossroad, would you give them the courage, the courage to go through that pregnancy, to allow that child to come into this world? And then will you open up the right family at the right time and the right connections so that that child could be adopted and cared for maybe in a way that uh, the birth family feels like they can't provide. Lord, I pray that you would give them that courage. God, and if it's our family, we're willing, we're available. You know my prayer, you know our heart. So Lord, we're just trusting you, Jesus. And so God, we give you thanks for every single life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope and to give you future. 
be with us in this message today. Both of these messages that you birthed within me, God. Let me be anointed. Let me stand on your word. Give me strength, clarity of mind, thought, and speech. Open up the ears of your people, and may we leave different. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the whole church said amen and amen. We've clapped for a lot of reasons, a lot of people. Can we go 10 seconds for Jesus? Come on. Woo. Good. Week number four of this series that we're doing at Go Church called Deep Change. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, this collection of talks already. Uh, it's based off of this great book written by my friend Jason Isaacs as he unpacks what it means to have spiritual depth in a shallow world. If you've not yet picked up a copy of your book, um, I want you to do that. You can go by Next Steps at your campus on your way out today. We've got books for sale. And if, uh, if your campus is out of books, you can pick up the book on Amazon. I talked to Jason this past week, and he said as he's watching the Amazon sales that uh, the city of Noonan is leading the way, buying books. Come on, somebody. So Westside, where are you at? Germantown, where are you at? Sanoa, where are you at? Tyrone, come on. So I'm proud of Noonan. Come on, Noonan Knights. Be proud of that, on that. So, and uh, I want you to get a copy of the book, and then uh, ultimately, if you've been a part of the series or you've been jumping into the book with us, you know the whole thought behind Deep Change is understanding what it means to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Another translation and passage says to love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And ultimately, that, that should be the goal of us. If we are in Christ Jesus, just, God, I want to love you with every single fiber of my being. Everything within me, I just want to love you. Love you more than anything else. At this campus, we just sang that, right? Just give me Jesus, nothing else. I just want Jesus. I want to love you with everything I have. So, so how do we do this? The only way to really get there is to invite the Holy Spirit in into your deepest, darkest, most uncomfortable places and say, okay, I'm asking you to do a deep change within me. Search me, God. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So Holy Spirit, come, in, come into the deepest, darkest uh, most uncomfortable places of my heart come into the secret places that only you know and only I know about and do that spiritual heart surgery. And so last Sunday, I, I introduced to you this, this theological word. If you grew up in church or you've been a part of church for a period of time, you know this word. Some of you last week or today may be the first time you've ever heard the word sanctification. But that's what we're inviting the Holy Spirit to do is to take us on a journey of sanctification, and sanctification is different than salvation. Salvation is a one-time experience where you confess your sins to the Lord. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You invite him into your heart. You repent of your sin, which means you turn from your sin. Your name gets written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And watch, salvation is eternally important, right? Salvation, you don't get to heaven based off of somebody else's salvation. You've got to work out your own salvation. Can you say amen there? But salvation happens in a, in a moment, but sanctification happens in a lifetime of moments. So, so if, if, if you've accepted Christ, you're saved, but now you're saying, Lord, do a deep change in me. I, I want to go on a journey of sanctification. And, and how long is that process? Until you die. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so the day that you die, if you die in the faith, they'll say, all right, now they're sanctified. But until then, and I, I'd say this in a way that sounds funny, but there's a lot of truth in it, like, like, I'm, I'm saved, I love the Lord, I, I, I gave my heart to Christ in September of 1999, 
So like I believe, I believe Jesus to be my Lord. I'm trying to pursue holiness because that's what sanctification means, to be set apart, to be holy. So I'm trying to be holy, but I, I'm still a little hood. Can I get an amen from somebody? Like, like pray for me, don't play with me. Can I get somebody just hold your hand up if that's you. Last night we went to a daddy-daughter princess dance and a couple hundred dads and their daughters. And so the music starts and, and so they decide to ask, you know, we need some, some dads to volunteer dancing. And uh, London looks at me and she's like, Daddy, do, do you know how to dance? And I'm like, have you ever heard of that stanky leg? Come on now. <laughs> watch out. Watch me whip. Anyway, y'all, get me started. The sanctify. I was like, hey, the old flesh had to die. Come on, somebody. You better. better. <laughs> Don't put me on no dance floor now. Holy Ghost, I need you to come into those deep places, all right? Tootsie Roll, come on, somebody. Y'all don't know. Y'all too holy for all that, you know? And, uh, but yeah, so let's get back to the message, though. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm on a journey, and you're on a journey. Saved, love the Lord, but there are days that my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And so I just ask the Lord, like, man... I, I don't, and I, I know this may sound a way, but don't just hear what I'm saying. But I don't just want to be saved. I want to be changed. I want to experience transformational Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost power within me. The same power that raised Jesus up from the grave. That made a dead man live. Let me live that way. I don't just want to be saved so that I can kind of ride like the the bicycle of Christianity, go through the motions. No, do a deep change within me so that when I encounter people, they recognize you're not the same person that you used to be. And you know what? You're right because I met a man named Jesus and we've been on a journey together and the Holy Spirit has begun to chisel away at the hard places of my life, at the dark places of my life and he's done this procedure within me and now to God be all the glory that I'm not where I need to be but I'm not who I used to be either. I wish you'd help me preach this morning. Come on somebody, let's go. So, so this is sanctification and in the book, uh, Jason writes about he calls them four practices to deep change. These are practices of sanctification. So again, salvation happens in a moment. Sanctification happens in a lifetime of moments. So these aren't steps because you have to do these always. You don't get to just check them all the list like, well, we did them. Move on. Every, all day, every day. Take up your cross daily. Deny your flesh every day. So week one is actually week number two because Jason laid the foundation in week one. Week number two. We looked at the first practice, feel your feelings. Last Sunday, face your past. A great message. If you weren't here, you got to go back online, listen to it. Today, we're going to talk about changing your habits. And then next Sunday, we'll talk about embracing your limits. Now, here's what's unique about week number three, or, or practice number three, rather. It's that for the first couple of weeks, we talked a lot about feelings and emotions and thoughts. And that's very, very important. Because we've got, to, we've got to work out some areas in our life when it comes to our emotions and our feelings and the way that we think and, and process and believe and our desires and all of that. But when you get to changing your habits, this is where we turn the page a little bit. Because deep change, deep change isn't just felt. Deep change is an action. Deep change, and, and I'll, I'll say this a lot today in the 25 minutes or so that I've got left. That this is not about God loving you. God already loves you. 
God loved you so much that before you were ever even born, he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross at Calvary to pour out his blood for you that would cover all of our sin. What does that mean? That means God knew that you and I would be an idiot. Come on, somebody. And he, in advance of our stupidity, in advance of our foolishness, he paid the penalty of our sin. Ooh, that is good today. And watch, if you truly believe that you cannot earn your salvation, that you can't work for your salvation, then watch this. These uh, changing of our habits isn't about earning God's love or acceptance because he already does that. But listen to me. This is about doing the hard things, doing the work to invite the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside out. Does that make sense? So watch this. Here's the question that I hope by the end of the message I've answered in a way that is not only practical but powerful. So what do I do? Or, or what can I do consistently to help me become more like Jesus? And I know he already loves me. And maybe you've given your heart to the Lord already. Or, or maybe today is the day that you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and to make you a new person. You accept Jesus. Greatest decision you could ever make. Come on, somebody that's asked Christ to be your Savior, say amen to that. Best decision, all right? But now I want to be more like Jesus. You know that Christian, the word Christian, literally means to be like Christ. Christ-like. So, so how, how do I become more like Jesus? Now watch this. This is the hard work here. But all throughout the Bible, we see kind of the answer to this question. And it's done through the practicing of the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines. Now, here's what I know. Whatever room, whatever campus you're at today, every single one of us has a, a unique personality. Even if you're an identical twin, you don't have the same personality. Uh, some of you, you are extroverts. Come on in. And you would have been out on that dance floor with me last night. Come on, somebody. Or some of you are introverts. And you're like, man, the greatest day of my life would be the day that nobody just talked to me. I would just love that kind of day where you didn't even see me, right? We all have different personalities. Many of you, at some point in your adult life, you've taken some type of personality assessment, personality test. Our team has done that in a variety of different ways to kind of determine how we're wired, how we're made. Now, why am I saying all of that? Because spiritual disciplines are for anybody. No matter your personality, no matter your makeup, no matter your giftings, no matter if you're extroverted or introverted, everybody needs and has the opportunity to walk through the spiritual disciplines. So some of your personalities would say, you, you'd, you'd say this, all right, the things that you're going to tell me to do consistently to make me be more like Jesus, just give me a list, and I'll just check them off. Like, I'll, I'll just, I'll do all of them, and then one day I'll just walk on water. Because I guess that's what happens. Some of you in your personality, you're like, if you're going to give me a list today, I'm going to vomit. Because I don't like lists, and the few lists that I do have, I can't even find them. Come on, if that's you. And, and, or some of you are like, my list is, I can't even keep up with my list. So if you're going to give me more to do on my list. And then there are people like me that I love to-do lists. And on my to-do list, the first one is, make your to-do list. Come on, somebody. And I get to check that off for the day, you know. So, so no matter what, though, in your personality, I don't want you to look at this as a list of, of do's and don'ts to be accepted anymore by God. You, you, could, you could read and memorize the whole Bible, and God's not going to love you anymore. You could fast for 21 days and still not love Jesus, but Jesus would still love you. Parents, grandparents, where are you at? Come on, like, where are you at? 
they say the greatest part about being a grandparent is not killing your children, so they give you grandkids one day, right? So <laughs> parents, grandparents, we love our children unconditionally. So whether our, our kids behave or misbehave, we still love them. Now, there are days that we want to beat them. Come on, somebody. The, my mom used to say, spare the rod, spoil the child. And then she would also say, there is no forgiveness of sin without the remission of, of the shedding of innocent blood. So I'm going to take my belt off, you know. <laughs> anyway, and we love our children. We love them when their rooms are clean. We love them when their rooms are unclean. Now, there are always consequences, and there's always a ripple effect, but we love them, and the same is true with God. So, so don't get enamored by, by a list. But at the same time, if you want deep change, don't justify your behavior with, well, God loves me. Ooh, that's, that's actually kind of deep. I think I see a lot of that in Christians. Well, God loves me and I'm going to heaven, but you still cuss. But you still, you still badmouth your wife. Get my wife's name out your mouth. Yeah, some of you will get that. Uh, I hope Will Smith ain't here either. <laughs> he just got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Some, some of you lose your temper on, on the interstate. Some of you gossip the workplace. Some of you, man, just can't keep your family's drama off of Facebook. I love, I love Jesus. I love the Lord, right? I love the Lord, but... I don't want them to do a deep change. I, I, don't, I don't want holiness. I just want heaven. I don't want confession. I just want community. Bonhoeffer calls it cheap grace. But if you want deep change, you've got you to do the hard work. I love this quote here. I've got to hurry. Dallas Willard. Watch this. The will to do his will can only become reality as we take action. So I, I want... I want to be more like you and less like the world. I want to be more like you, Jesus, less like me. Okay, well, if I want to pursue his will, right, if I want to do his will, that can only happen when I start to take action. So to say, okay, I'm saved, but now I want to go through sanctification. I want you to change my habits. And the Lord says, okay, well, then there are some disciplines here. Just like when you go into a gym, and I, I use this analogy all the time. You go into a gym, you can't just stand there and look at the weights. Hum, 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 hum. No, I don't even know what I'm doing right now, by the way. Just, no, you got to pick up the weights. Does that make sense? The only way you get the results is to do the hard work. Hard work. So let me give you two stories in the Bible here where Jesus is literally saying, and I'm not taking his words out of context, but he's literally saying, okay, you want to do what I do? Then you need to do what you've seen me do. Jesus set the example. So you, you want to do these things? I've already, I've already shown you these things, so do them. Here's the first story. Matthew 26, beginning in verse number 31. I'll uh, give you a little background here. One of the mo more famous stories uh, in the Bible, it's where Jesus and a uh, select few of his disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's on the night that Jesus is about to be arrested. Once the Roman soldiers arrest Jesus, they're going to take him uh, in front of a, a, tri a, a trial, a, a jury. He's going to be falsely accused of heresy. Ultimately, he'll be crucified on the cross, which is the will of the Father. 
because we needed the blood of Jesus. We needed someone to pay the penalty of our sin. Amen? So this is that night right before Jesus is arrested. And I want you to see how all of this plays out. And along the way, tell me if this isn't where you and I find ourselves occasionally in our, in our walk with Christ. So it starts here, Matthew 26, verse 31. Some of you are already seeing. Now you're going to read me 25 verses. I'm going to skip a few verses, all right? But it's okay you come to a church where we, like, read and preach the Bible. That's good, okay? All right, Jesus told them, tonight all of you will desert me. And Peter responds and he says this, hey, not me. No way, even if everyone else deserts, deserts you, I will never desert you. I'll never leave you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, that this very night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter says, not me. I go to go church. I just did 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm all in. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all of the other disciples are like, hey, I like what he's saying. I agree. We'll never, we'll never leave you, Jesus. Verse number uh, 36. Then Jesus went with them to the Olive Garden. Okay, it's, it's, it's Olive Grove, but when you've been fasting 21 days, come on, somebody. Everything you read and see is food. <laughs> I told you about day 14, I started licking my lips, thinking about baby back ribs. I don't even eat red meat. <laughs> anyway, they went to the Olive Grove called Gethsemane. And he said, watch this, three times, here was the instruction, sit here while I go over there to pray. Verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and Jesus became anguished and distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here, here it is again, keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, and he began to pray, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet, is this not a powerful prayer? Yet, I, I want your will to be done, not, not my will. How many of you can pray that prayer? Like, I want your will, not mine. Your way, not mine. And then he returned, verse 40, he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. And he said to Peter, could you not even watch and pray with me for one hour? One hour? You fall asleep in one hour? And then he says this, verse number 41, keep watching, pray. And here's the verse. Tell me this isn't me and you. He says, watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. If you think being saved is going to get you out of the temptations of this world, is going to exempt you from the temptations of the enemy, you're fooling yourself. And he says, watch and pray. He introduces disciplines to say, listen, this is how you overcome the temptation. Because thousands of years ago, Jesus said this, and it's true now. He says, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then they showed up and arrested Jesus. They grabbed him. They arrested him. And verse 51, and Peter, and watch this. Jesus went to pray. Peter went to sleep. And when they arrested Jesus, how did Simon Peter respond? Violence. Took out a sword. You're not going to touch Jesus. And maybe he thought he was doing something noble or something right. But what happened is it's because he didn't practice the discipline. He didn't have a new habit of responding in real time to the moment. And just listen to me. And I'm going to preach this all day long. But watch. If you, if you want God to do a deep change in you, 
you've got to be willing to do some things in the private so that when the, the moment is, is in the public, you've already changed the habit. You'll never be able to respond the way that Jesus responded if you're not willing to do privately what Jesus did privately. And so Peter, he doesn't know any different. Jesus said pray, Jesus, and Peter went to sleep. So he draws out his sword and he cuts off the ear of Malchus, servant of the high priest. And Jesus like, what are you doing? And Jesus reaches down, picks up an ear. Come on, y'all. He picks up an ear and he says, can you hear me now? I just made that up. I don't even know why I said that. That's not in the Bible. That's like a Verizon commercial. Like that's just, let's rewind. I didn't say that. He picks up an ear, sticks it back on the head of Malchus. And he says to Peter, watch verse 52, he's like, put away your sword. Listen, put away your old habits. Put away your old man. Put away your old life. Because those who use the sword will die by the sword. Listen to me. For there is a way that seems right unto a man. But in the end, it's the way of death and destruction. That if you keep going on the road that you're going, can you help me preach? I got a gold chain on. Somebody help me preach. <laughs> that if you keep going the way that you're going, you're going to self-destruct. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. Your ways aren't better than God's ways. And Jesus says, put the sword away. Verse 53. Don't you realize that I, I love this. Jesus is like, don't make me snap my fingers. Don't you even realize who I am? That in a moment I could call on my father to ask for a thousand angels to come and protect us. And he would send them instantly. But, but, but Peter, listen, if I did that... How could the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen? Uh, uh, one more verse here, watch. And at that point, what they do? And that's where we are, right here. Like you got a, you're at a crossroad of decision. You say, love the Lord. But are you going to do the hard work, the disciplines? Because write this down. Come on, everybody take notes, take a picture, whatever you got to do. Because if we want to act like Jesus did, we have to do what Jesus did. And you have to do that proactively to change your habits, to change your behaviors. Because if you don't do it proactive, then you'll always be reactive. And I'm just going to tell you because uh, you'd rather me talk about me than me talk about you. I know in the seasons of my life, and I'm being as honest as I can be, and I don't know your view of a pastor, and you know, if, if, you, if you think a pastor is kind of like a pope, and you know, and I, I ride around in some bubble car or whatever, like, man, I'm a human being. I'm a human being. People get on my nerves. Can somebody say amen? Like, I love people, but sometimes I just want to, you know, pray, lay hands on them. <laughs> I, I lose my temper. I get frustrated. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a human being. I get angry. And I know in the seasons of my life where, and my wife, she's not in this gathering. She's coming to the next gathering here at this campus, but she would say amen to this. But I know in the seasons of my life where I'm, I'm, I'm irritable, I'm quick-tempered, I'm easily angered, I've got a short fuse, um, I, I'm mad quick. The other day I was talking to her, and listen, this is true, this is the other day during a fast, y'all. 
And I'm like, I need, to, I need to talk to you about some things. And I named like 11 people that were on my nerves. She was like, just a random thought. But there is a common denominator. And I was like, I know, sin. I know, they're, I know, they're, they're sinners and they need to be saved. She's like, yeah, or it's you. In those seasons, watch, where I am that old man, where I act the way I act and justify my behaviors, because listen, you, you, you've got the Holy Spirit in you, and listen, you can turn it on and you can turn it off, and don't tell me that you can't. You can be angry with your whole family, and then your cell phone ring, and you, hello? Oh, girl, what you doing? Oh, we're just out here. I hate all of y'all. Wait till I get off the phone. How are you mama now? You can turn it on and off. I know for me, when I'm that way, that old man, write this down, watch. My public life is always a direct reflection of my private life. In those seasons, I'm not praying like I need to pray. I'm not fasting like I need to fast. I'm not in God's word like I need to be in God's word. And the sword comes out. But in the season, and again, I'm, Lord Jesus, I am far from perfect. But in the seasons where, man, I'm just, I'm diving deep into the spiritual disciplines and I'm asking the Lord to do a deep change in my heart, I respond so different than who I used to be. Does this make sense to anybody? All right, let me, let me, oh, man, I got to move. Let me show you one more story here. Mark 9. Jesus takes with them the same group of guys, Peter, James, and John. They, they, they go to uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. You can read about this in the, the first part of Mark 9. I actually used this a story here to kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So while they're on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, the, the face of God uh, shined like the bright sun. Uh, Jesus, rather, the, the, his garments, his clothes, they, they, they were a bright light. And uh, appeared before them were Moses and Elijah, and they're, they're having this, this just unbelievable encounter with, with God. They come down the mountain, and there is a, a crowd of people waiting there at the base of the mountain. Because at this point in the ministry of Jesus, I mean, everybody knew who Jesus was. And this was way before, obviously, social media and all of that. Just people knew who Jesus was. They get down the mountain, and a guy comes up to him, and he says, hey... My son is filled with a demon. I took him to your other disciples, and they couldn't deliver him. And Jesus, if you read the story, he turns and he rebukes the disciples. And he says, man, oh, ye of little faith, how long I got to put up with y'all? And then he turns and he rebukes the demon, and immediately the demon-possessed boy is free. And can I tell you for about 10 seconds that the same delivering power of God that we just read about in Mark 9 is still the same delivering power of God today that in a moment whom the sun set free can be free indeed. Come on if we're going to clap, let's do it well. Let's go. So they pull Jesus to the side and they say, hey, you know, why couldn't we do that? And he said, what does he say? Some miracles only happen by prayer and fasting. Now, I'm not challenging your intelligence. I'm just making sure you know what's happening here. What are, what are prayer and fasting? Disciplines. And Jesus says it this way. You couldn't do what I do publicly because you don't want to do what I did privately. If I had money in my pocket, I'd give myself an offering. Come on, somebody. 
You can't, you can't do what I do publicly because you're unwilling to do the hard work in private. And I'm not trying to build myself up, but you don't know the sacrifices that I have to make when it comes to the disciplines. Not for you, although you are great accountability. I want to be an example for this church. And I don't make the sacrifices in the private times because of my family, although my family is a tremendous level of accountability because I want to set a godly example for my children and for my wife. But what I do in the private that nobody will ever see and nobody will ever know, and Lord knows i got a long way to go, but what I do in the private is because, God, I just want to love you with all of my heart. I want to love you with everything that I've got, and I want you to do something in me Something inside of me. And the only way, God, that I know you can do that deep change is if I do what you did in the private, one of the greatest compliments that anybody could ever give me. And I'm a words of affirmation guy. But it's when somebody says, Pastor JC, you're the same person off the stage that you are on the stage. Man, that is a tremendous compliment. Why? Because I'm doing the hard work in the private places of my life. So that I can stand up here and be genuine and authentic and goofy and silly and just me. Because I've got nothing to hide. Because in the private, God is opening up my chest and he's doing heart surgery in my soul. Are you hearing what I'm trying to preach? And if God can change JC, he can change anybody. And this is not salvation. It's sanctification. Grace is what saves you. But look at me. Grace doesn't make decisions for you. You make your decisions. Every day, we make our decisions. And if you don't do the things in private, you will react in the moment. And you'll just keep falling into the same pattern of habitual mistakes and addiction and stronghold. And it'll be passed down. Go back and listen to last week. Generation after generation after generation. Does this make sense? So one more time, look at this. So if you want to act like Jesus, then you got to do what Jesus did. And he modeled the spiritual disciplines. So, so what are spiritual disciplines? Any activity, any activity that makes me more capable of receiving more of God's life and power. That's all they are. Now I'm going to show you a list. And I prefaced the list a moment ago because some of you are going to think, I'm going to do them all. And I'm just, the Lord's going to love me. And he's going to just give me strength and, 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 and. You can't think of your relationship with God as some religious to-do list. Are you with me? Okay, so when you see the list, don't get overwhelmed either if that's you. Like, man, because when you see this list, you'll think I'll do them all or I'll, I've already failed because I saw the list and said a bad word in my head. So, I mean, <laughs> come on, I can't do all that. What in the world? Watch this and then I'll unpack it. There are approximately 15 spiritual disciplines. Now, again, a spiritual discipline, and they'll leave this on the screen so you can take pictures and, uh, or, or write this down. A spiritual discipline, though, is any activity that just allows you to have more of God, to be more like Christ. But there are about 15 disciplines, seven that are disciplines of abstinence and, and eight that are disciplines of engagement. The disciplines of abstinence, solitude, that's abstaining from, from interaction, Silence, abstaining from noise. And whenever you read about the ministry of Jesus, you often see that either before a miracle or after a miracle, he always withdrew and practiced the disciplines 
of solitude and silence, fasting, abstaining from food, frugality, abstaining from overspending. Come on, somebody just receive that from the Lord today. Chastity, abstaining from intimacy, secrecy, this is a hard one, abstaining from drawing attention to yourself. Sacrifice, abstaining from certain needs. Then there are the disciplines of engagement. Study, this is engaging with the Word of God. Worship is expressing your love to God. And, and, and listen, worship isn't just music. Music is an avenue of worship, but you, hey, all of these are how you worship. You could worship the Lord in your generosity. You could worship the Lord in your service. Celebration, a part of worship, is giving God the glory. Come on, somebody. Service is using your time, talents, and treasure. Prayer is engaging with God through your words or your thoughts. Fellowship is doing life with other believers. Confession is confessing your sins one to another and confessing your sins to God. And then submission, which would be the discipline of following and submitting to spiritual leadership and ultimately to the, the leadership of Christ, to God, the authority of God. Okay? So this isn't a list where you've got to perform. So take the weight of that off. But also know, like, there, there is a little bit of a roadmap that you can change your habits. And I showed you two places where Jesus says, you'll never do what I did publicly until you do what I did privately. And, and if, you, if I were to show you an image of a person that did all of these, who would the picture be of? Jesus. So let me give you five things to consider in about 45 seconds. You ready? Write them down. Number one, start somewhere, but man, just start today. You don't have to jump into the deep end and be like, I'm, I'm going to do them all. I got them all. I mean, just come on. But what if I had this thought, and I, I, I've shared it because we have multiple gatherings here. I shared it with the first group this morning. Like, what if you just, because it's only January, but what if you just took the rest of the year and you said, you know what, every month, I'm just going to focus in on one or two spiritual disciplines in that month. And I, I'm really just going to commit my life to those disciplines. Let's go start somewhere, but I'm going to start today. Then you got to make a plan. Because you will never luck your way into changing your habits. You will never luck your way into becoming more like Christ. you got to make a plan. So keep a calendar. Write down the time, the discipline. Make a plan, though. Lay it out. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And then set realistic goals. If you're not currently reading the Bible, and you want to start reading the Bible, studying God's Word, because you just realize that's a discipline, don't try to read an hour a day. And you, you'll be exhausted, and you'll think, I, I don't even understand anything. And listen to me. God's not going to love you anymore because you read an hour of the Bible a day or if you read one chapter in a day. This is a lifetime of God just sanctifying you. But just start somewhere. God, I'm going to read five minutes, and I'm going to journal my thoughts. I'm going to read one chapter. I'm going to journal my thoughts. And then as you grow in the Word of God, so will your ability to read and, and process and hear and learn, etc. Expect some difficulty. Why? Because this is spiritual warfare. You think the enemy wants you to become a disciplined disciple? No. And when you ever, whenever you engage in these disciplines, the enemy is going to bring distraction. So here's what I've learned to do. And I've been a Christian for over 20 years, and it's only been the last few years that I've really adopted this. Whenever distraction comes during me trying to practice a discipline, I used to get frustrated, and, and I failed. Not anymore. Now I say, you know what? That distraction is proof that that particular area is an area that i got to grow in. So you know what? I'm thinking about this. 
All right, Lord, I need you to do a deep change in that area because I can't get that off my mind or heart. And then find accountability. These are your spiritual workout partners. Not a better day to talk about this because when you walked in and when you walk out of a Go Church campus, you're going to see small groups, an opportunity to sign up. You need accountability. You need encouragement. You need prayer. Iron sharpens iron. We are better together. We don't provide small groups because we don't think you have enough to do. We provide small groups because we believe that where two or three gather together, God shows up. And this is where those disciplines really take root. Does that make sense? I hope you were encouraged by the word today. Come on. All right, let me pray for you. Every campus, every head bowed, every eye closed. As a matter of fact, in order to transition, I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to walk off the stage. Your campus pastors will come and give you the next steps. And Pastor David here, here's the two questions, and then you take 30 seconds. What did the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today? And then what's the next step in your faith journey? 30 seconds, and then your campus pastor and Pastor David here will transition the room.